Uh, before we get into today's lesson, which if you want to start turning to, we're going to be in Matthew 10. Uh, 34 through 39. I, I just want to sort of wrap up what we sort of talked about last week. Last week we talked about the importance of prayer, uh, why we pray, what we pray. And I had some great questions and I sort of just want to give a, a little snippet to those. A lot of questions are, but but when I pray, like I pray for good things and it still doesn't come and like it still doesn't happen and it still doesn't, what, why doesn't that happen? And I just want to give you this this little, and, and uh, this is, and it could be a sermon of itself, uh, but we're, I'm going to just take two to three minutes. Um, remember, God can answer the way He chooses, and one of that way. And I use the the, the uh, like a stoplight, the light uh, as a, as an example. Uh, if you see a green light, uh, God might be saying yes. You might say yes. You, this is this is avenue. This is what is going on. But then I, I put, there's two yellow lights. There's a yellow light that, that goes, and that means that, like, hey, slow down. Slow down, right? Like, this, it, you're at a different pace than you should be. You're, you need to be aware where you're going. And then there's the flashing yellow. There's a flashing yellow. Like, maybe you don't know what you're really asking. Like, maybe you're coming to me not really knowing. There's, a, there's this little bit of warning. And then there's, uh, of course, the red light. Where, just so you know, uh, God can say no. God can say no. That's not what's best for you. That's not what's best for others. It's not what is best. And so I know through prayer, a lot of times we, wanna, we want all the answers. We want it to work out the way we want it to work out. As God is, is bowing to me, we bow to him. And as we do that, I just wanted to say is. I just wanted to echo that a little bit because I had multiple questions of how do we do that. And we, of course, got to be able to talk a little bit about that, but just a little bit about how as we go to God that we are, we are bowing our knees to him and his will be done. As we just were singing, it's not about our will, it's his will to be done. Now we're going to go into this a little bit uh, as uh, Jesus is talking in Matthew 10, 34 through 39. And uh, the title is... Uh, that basically Jesus did not come to bring peace, which is a little bit different than what our Western culture thinks, especially around Christmas time. Oh, joy to the world, peace to all mankind. Well, let's see in verse 34, it says, do not suppose that I come to bring peace to the earth. A little bit different than what we said. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemy will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. This is a, a sort of a, this upside down, like if you lose your life, like uh, you gain it. If you don't, I like it. I'm going to give you a big hit. This is a flesh life, which is our world, our Christ life which is Jesus' world. And we're going to be hitting those over and over again. Flesh life, 
Christ life. And as I was talking about, this does seem a little bit different from the Christmas birthday story of the angel singing in Luke 2, verse 13. It says this, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. This is why we need to put things into context, understand culture, the situation, and the characters. Matthew 10, 34 and on is Jesus making a dividing line like we had even talked about in Revelation. If most of you don't know, uh, as you can tell over the last year, you've known that I've enjoyed sports, correct? You know that I, I like sports, and I know that they have their place. They're very minuscule in the grand scheme of things, but I enjoy sports. I enjoy competition. I enjoy teams, and one of those teams is Florida State football. And if any of you have uh, paid attention this last week, Florida State went undefeated, was awesome, and somehow got left out of the college football playoffs. They were, they'd only take four, and they were put fifth over two teams that lost games. It makes no sense. But the reason why I bring this up is there can be debate. There can be conversation of why these teams should be in, these, in the top four or why Florida State should be in. You can have debate, but at some point, someone puts pen to paper and makes it official. Before it's official, before that pen hit paper, before all that, you can have the debate back and forth. There can be the conversation. There could be like, well, this is why, this is why, this is all this kind of stuff. But at some point, and Jesus is making it clear, at some point, the pen will hit paper. The pen will hit paper, and there is the dividing line. Luckily, it's a sports thing. It's a sports thing that, yes, it, it hurt on the, my team kind of thing, but I will tell you it compares nothing to a spiritual, does God mark you or not? There's a huge difference. For Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. His word will divide. It separates love from false love, truth from myth, true hope from falsehoods, holiness from sin, life and death. It convicts the heart and the mind. Flesh life or Christ life. And just so you know, the sword can even cut through families. Point number one, our view. And in our view, in humans' view, sin will be tolerated. This is why when we look at verse 34, when he says, Do not suppose I have come in to bring peace on the earth, it sort of feels weird. Because America has given us this false look at Jesus as some hippie that says, I loves everything, man. He loves everything you do, man. 
no way, man. Like, no. And I know I'm going really quick, but you can write a bunch of notes. I'm going to go right to point number two, God's view. God's view. It's Jesus and nothing else. It's Jesus and nothing else. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword, for I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. And I just want you to know, this is not the only situation where you are pulling away from your family because you are a believer. Like many people believe, well, I'm a believer, so I have to step away from them or I have to do that. Many times it's the opposite, where you have your faith in Jesus and the family members and the whole family itself view you as being on the outside of their circle. That of being an outcast. This is somewhat starting to happen in America with people dismissing others because of their faith or their stance. But I want you to know that it's already and it continues to happen all over the world. And many of you know this, but if you leave some false religions, you could even be killed for following Christ. Like, even in your family, there's been fathers that have killed daughters. And I also want you to know it might not just be the family, this can also be close personal friendships where friends and coworkers that you are really close to with now, now view you differently. Your life and their life don't match up. You are no longer equally yoked in any form. You are now dead to the flesh. They are alive in the flesh. There is going to be a divide. Flesh life or Christ life. That is why the church's family is so important. That is why you are so important. Do you think that God would leave you alone? No, he is here with you and has blessed you with the church family. Families in the Jewish culture and even in the Gentile culture in that time would have been so huge. We as believers still value family and we still value as a whole, but just so you know, American Western culture has turned very individualistic. Where in Jesus' culture, saying that Jesus is the Messiah or devote, uh, dev uh, to devote Jews or pagan worshipers was an insult to the family. They could have kicked you out. And we talk about they could have murdered you. But in many cases, they could have just kicked you out and said, you are no longer welcome here. And everything that you had known and grown up with, you are no longer a part of. I am letting you know this because Jesus might cost you your earthly family. And in many cases, it has or does. And I'm going to say right now, oh, to be blessed with knowing your family has salvation with Jesus. I do not want to take this lightly. There are some of people on here today that are hurting. You have felt this pain. You have, hurt, you have felt these different kinds of pain and hurt. And you have spent hours praying for those family members that are lost. Those that are so close and dear with you. And I know some of you right now that they're, you know your family member has salvation. And I don't want you to take that for granted. 
that you see it for the blessing that it is, that you continue to glorify God during these times. And wherever you are right now, know that you are standing on the truth of the word of God. Know that we are called to continue to invest in your family. And we need to continue to give into our married couple lives. But we are not to compromise with a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is first. Don't compromise. This is not about making yourself worthy or holy for salvation or anything like that. No, this is the cost of following Christ. The dividing line that is being walked. You see it so many times today. I love how Jesus is so opposite of so many pastors, even in our church today. They say that if you follow Jesus, every day will be like a Friday. If you, you can have all your desires, all your wants. False! Jesus says that if you follow me, you might lose everything you thought you knew. You might lose your family. You might lose your comforts. Flesh life, Christ life. As we continue on verse 37, he says, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. We look at this and we're almost aghast. How? Some of us even process, how is this possible? Let me, let me give you a common example. Now, most of us know a married couple. And they might, you might have even known them for a while. You've seen different acts of even them, like, oh, they're going out on dates and, and they're, they're having a good time. Or like different acts of love, like he treats her so well and he does this, uh, does this well for her. She does this well for him. And we'd be like, oh, we, we see some fruits of, of love there. Now, I hate to even mention this because it's even become prevalent in the church. What happens if we find out that one of them has become unfaithful? Most of the time, and I've heard this even before, is that person's not even worthy of you. That person, that person's not even worthy of you. Why do we feel worse for the person cheated on than when the father of the universe, the God of all, is cheated on? When something or someone is placed in front of that relationship. You see in verse 37 and 38, multiple times, Jesus goes, Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Multiple times, you're not worthy of me. I'm not first in your life. You have compromised. And so many times we as believers think, well, family's a good thing. And it is a good thing. I'm not saying in and of itself it is not. But when it becomes and replaces God, it is not right. Jesus is laying it out there for all of us to beware. There's a flesh life and there's Christ life. And I believe one of the biggest problems is how we interact, not just with our parents, but with our children. Because it says, following, anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. We usually skip right past that part. We see all the time people compromising their faith for their children because we have substituted family as being more virtuous than following God. I don't have time for church. I have to take my kids to soccer practice. I don't have time for prayer group. We have another volleyball game or we have band practice. 
as I've said before, these of themselves are not bad. They could be good. But this is why Satan is so smart. He dresses something up that looks virtuous, but when you taste of the apple, it is lacking. We also allow our kids to do whatever they want because we want to be friends with them instead of parents to them. Now, I get it. Parents make mistakes, and parents are trying to figure it out. But we can see all across America and all across the world that parents are giving in to children. And you might ask, how? We are now letting children choose their identity. We are now letting children play for enormous amounts of hours on the TV screen. We are now compromising the faith, or we don't want the church pastor to talk about a sensitive topic so the children can come back to church. The problem is we are letting children or our sons and daughters dictate to us something that they have no position in or authority to dictate. And the problem is when we let immature, when we let immature children dictate, we become immature adults. And the more immature we become, we are easily swayed to follow a false gospel. And Jesus is saying at some point, there has to be a dividing line. There has to be a pen to paper. And Jesus is saying at some point, this is it. Don't get me wrong. Jesus loves your child. He died for your child. He rose again for your child. He gave everything for your child. But that does not mean your, your child loves him back. And that is why Jesus isn't playing around. He's telling you. As he has over and over again, following me might cost you. Flesh life, Christ life. Verse 38 continues, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. There's a cost, and the cost of losing your family, of standing strong amid persecution. Our family, our losing family members is a part of the process of carrying the cross. The heartbreak, the pain and suffering of that. And many of you know what the cross means, but the cross means that of death. Death to self, that of death of flesh, but alive in the resurrection life of Christ. A great example is that of a parent raising a child. It's a great earthly example of if you do not sacrifice for your child, if you do not give of yourself, your child will not survive. Right? A child needs Nourishment. If you don't sacrifice, if you're like, I'm just going to watch Netflix, or I'm just going to do this, but not feed my child. No, feeding your child takes sacrifice. That of giving of your child, waking up every three hours is giving of yourself, of your sleep and your time. You are now dead to yourself because you now have put the child in front of you. That is just an earthly example, but that is a good example of like, do you live like that for Christ? Do you sacrifice me? I am no longer alive. I am now giving of myself. I'm now giving for Christ in all areas, all areas of my life. When I walk into work, when I treat my daughter or I treat my father, do I treat them with respect? And kids, I know most of them are downstairs practicing this great play, but if you're a young kid, your parents sacrifice for you. 
They did. No matter how it was, they might have did what you think is great job or not. No, they've sacrificed for you. And we can't forget that. And it's a great example of what God's done for us, but it's also a great example for us. How does, do I live my life? Because I know there's moments in my life where I love living for John Pell's. And maybe if you look at yourself, you might be like, yeah, that was a really good moment for me. And it could even be a good thing, but you love the compliments. You love to hear people talk. I'm saying, no, are you willing to sacrifice for God in all aspects? Because we're willing to get up every three hours to, uh, to feed that kid. Are you willing to wake up a little bit earlier to pray to God? Well, what's all that of value? It could cost you. Wearsby says this, the only way believers can escape conflict is to deny Christ and compromise. And to do this would be sin. Then these believers would be at war with God and with themselves. We will be misunderstood and persecuted, even by those who are closest to us. Yet we must not allow this to affect our witness. We must suffer for Jesus' sake and for righteousness' sake and not for being difficult to live with. People being offended by the cross is quite different from being offended by offensive Christians. And I want to I get this right. When we do have division in the family, is it for the gospel or is it for a personal belief? There's a difference. It cannot be the latter then that is the fault of you and not of what Jesus is talking about. Make sure the stands you take are God-honoring and not just for you being right. Stand up for the gospel, not for a political stand. And I'm not saying that the political stand you have might lean more Christ-like, but are you losing family? Or is there a division because of just something you believe or is it because of the gospel? I want to make sure it's that of the gospel. Because that is the dividing line. <clears throat> we are continually asked and continually put in this flesh life, Christ life. Jesus, though, does give us some good words. Verse 40. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of those little ones who is my disciples, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Even a cup of water. Even as it, that's pretty low bar. We've also we've talked a lot about the divide and the high bar. That's pretty like low bar. We are looking for a way to share the gospel. Not that we're better than them, or not that they're better than us. We're sharing the gospel. We are supposed to be united in the church as we go out, and we, as we go out and love our families. And if they welcome you, awesome. Take it. And run with it. Live the gospel out. This is good 
news. This is not just good news, this is great news for your life. Many of you look back through your, your past and you've lost loved ones and you don't know where they stand with Christ. And that, that can hurt your heart and soul. And some of you do know. You know without a shadow of a doubt where they are. And, and that's because you know they're in Christ's life. They're, they're pursuing there. But you struggle because there's this flesh and we're, we're, we're in the spirit. We're sealed in the spirit. And we live this life right now that we're still in the flesh, but we, we live this Christ life. But there are people that are still over here and we don't know how to interact. And God's saying, yeah, we're supposed to love them, but there will be a dividing line. The pen and paper does hit at some point. And what your actions do, how you live still matters. And we still have time. I'm going to have uh, the band come up here and the worship team and uh, as we sing it. And I'm doing it a little bit differently today. Because there are sheets of paper at the end of the, the rows. And I want you to grab one. And I have to pass one down. There's a bunch there if you need a bunch, but you can write this all on one page. This is the reason why it's so interesting is as we get into Christmas, we are around a lot more family, correct? We're around, we try to do family events, and we try to do this, and a lot of us, it stresses us out. It's busy. It gets stressful. It's like, I got to get these presents. I got to do this. Or we got to show up here. And all of a sudden, we start really start looking inwardly. And if you, though, have believers that are in your family, praise God for that. Praise God for that. And as we worship, I want you to write that down. I want you to say, praise God, I, my family's this way. I want to praise God for this. I want to praise God for that. Being like, I know my family's, like, what a great thing. is. I tell you, it is big for me that I, the biggest thing, and my wife will tell you, is my girls. I want them to know Jesus more than even loving me. I want to be really cool in their eyes. Like, really cool. But I want Jesus to be so much cooler. I, I don't want you to think, though, here's the thing, that you don't have a husband or wife duty. I don't want you to not think that you're not supposed to be a good father. This is not about that. No, this is about the gospel. You are still supposed to be a man of God or a woman of God. And you're supposed to be a good husband, a good wife. You're supposed to fulfill those duties. But at some point, Jesus might cause some division. He might cause some. And we could get into all the, the division if a, a two were two people were married and they didn't know Christ and then one finds Christ and how do you live in that kind of situation because you're committed there yeah you need to follow Christ and then but like everything there's decisions you need to lead well God asks you to live certain ways doesn't mean oh I'm just going to give up on this family I'm just going to walk away from it no there's responsibilities but now I live for Christ my life lives for Christ and I'm going to do that in every aspect so if you wrote down the praise, that's great. But I'm also going to ask you, there are some of you that have family members that are lost. That it breaks your heart. 
that you don't know how to communicate with them anymore. Or maybe you still talk. Or maybe you haven't talked in 25 years. But you know you, you love them and care for them. I want you to write their names down. I want you to literally give them over to God. I want you to write it and be like, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But this is what's great. You might not be able to do anything. Some of them, some of them never want to see you again. But that does not mean that you cannot take that name and give it to the Heavenly Father saying, God, please work on them. Do what you must do. Because you, what is great is no one in here saves anybody. That alone is for Christ. We are just to go out and live in Christ's life, not the flesh life. We are to live the Christ life, that of sacrifice for others. Not because God loves us more because that, no, because we get to show other people like this is the life of freedom that we get to live in. I understand that living Christ's life might cost you a lot in the flesh, but our lives are redeemed and alive because we, what was once lost is now found and the Holy Spirit is with us. So as we sing here, as we sing here, the altar's open and I want you to take that paper and if you can't, if you physically can't, I'm going to be standing up here and you want to raise it, I will come grab it. But if you can, I want you to bring the paper up here and lay it at the altar. I want you to physically hand it over to God. I'm not going to read through them. I'm not going to go through your handwriting because it's between you and God. But some of you need to hand it over. Some of you need to keep going to the altar. Some of you have given up by going to God and being like, oh, he's, he's too lost. He will never do it. Mm-mm. That's not the God I know in the Bible. He'll go off after that lost sheep. So as they sing, I, I want you to come up here and lay it down. And I'll be right over here, and if you just hold it up, I'll come get it if you don't want to walk up here. But I want to praise God, worship God, and then afterwards, I will close.